Hello, Patrice. I hope you're doing well. Your episode's going live soon. How's life in Kinshasa? Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, life in Kinshasa has become too normal. Uh, there is only a curfew that uh, the authorities have imposed. Uh, that is starting at uh, uh, 10 p.m. at night. And uh, it's pushing many people to rush home before the curfew time. Welcome to On Spec, where you'll hear stories that bring you closer to the globe. I'm your host, Fariba Nawa. In this season, we took you on deep dives into the world of fake news and met people on both sides of the information divide. Then we brought them face-to-face to talk and see if they could find common ground. It's been quite a ride from Turkey to Hong Kong. In this last episode, we dropped the debate and focused on the impact of fake news on everyday lives. Congolese journalist Patrice Chetera takes you to Kinshasa, the capital of the Democratic Republic of Congo in Africa. Their disinformation about herbal treatments have killed and paralyzed Africans who believe they can cure COVID-19. Patrice's story is narrated by Louis Yui, a Zambian radio personality. If you want to get herbal plants to cure illnesses in Kinshasa, you come here to a roundabout full of outdoor markets and bars. Vendors sell Congo bololo in baskets and cuts. It's a herb, a bitter tasting leaf that can be used in foods like soups and meat stews, or even for brewing beer. It works for malaria, bacterial stomach infections, other flus, and even diabetes. But in these pandemic days, the Congolese are taking Congo Bololo as medicine to prevent COVID-19. It was March last year when COVID-19 hit Kinshasa, a dense and humid megacity, one of the most populous in Africa. 13 million people live here. Many of them didn't believe it was a real disease at first. They thought it was a hoax. I myself have been sick more than four times during this period of coronavirus, but I treated myself, and I assure you that coronavirus has nothing to do with it. This man told an Al Jazeera reporter what so many others were saying in the beginning of the pandemic. Many in sub-Sahara Africa believed this was a white man's disease and black people would not be affected. As WHO Director General said, We are not just fighting an epidemic, we are also fighting an infodemic. So, what was he talking about? Well, there is so much information about COVID-19 out there that sometimes I don't know what and who to believe. The World Health Organization sees the misinformation as such a crisis that they have coined the term infodemic 
and are working with many organizations to stop the fake news. Even the first registered COVID-19 patient, Faustin Fitika, lied to the media, saying the government had paid him to fall sick and say it was COVID. Faustin had come to Kinshasa from France with the virus. It's hard to understand why he would make up such a lie when doctors later showed proof of his positive COVID-19 test. Maybe it was because of the stigma COVID-19 brought with it. Health workers went out to the streets and door-to-door -to, -door to educate people about COVID-19. They told them to wear masks and sanitize. But they faced an uphill battle of misinformation from traditional healers. When the skeptics finally realized COVID-19 might be real, the healers were telling people our herbal treatments would solve the health crisis. Suddenly, there was a rush of hawkers and sellers of Congo Bololo. They cleared out the bushes where the herbs grow around the city and sold them in residential areas. Even vegetable sellers abandoned their usual greens to sell Congo Bololo. Those who watch French media in this country saw the famed French doctor Didier Raoult tout chloroquine. That's the medication used to treat malaria. But Dr. Raoult said it also works for COVID-19 patients. That's the way Congo Bololo rose in popularity. It's also used to treat malaria. So, why not COVID-19? French-speaking Belgium brutally colonized the Congo in 1908. But Belgium left us its language and influences even after we declared our independence about half a century later. Je vous salue au nom du gouvernement congolais. À vous tous, mes amis qui avez lutté sans relâche à nos côtés, je vous demande de faire. I knew this deadly virus was real, but I also thought Congo Bololo may protect me. Herbal treatments were a part of our African upbringing. I am 42 years old, a widower with no children. I lost my wife three years ago. I come from Eastern DRC. War has raged there for 25 years with rivaling militias. The unrest in the East makes it hard for people to get an education and healthcare, while Kinshasa in the West suffers from poverty and gang violence. But the Congo region is full of natural resources like gold and diamond. We have a rich tropical forest like the Amazon and more than 80 million people who deserve to be educated and fed from their own land. Yet throughout our modern history, outsiders and our own people have pillaged our resources. When I was a child, my mother sold fish in the markets, and my father was a civil servant. I used to sell paraffin and peanuts to buy my school supplies and books. When the violence from the civil war reached my town, I escaped to Kenya and studied there. As an adult, I fell into journalism with BBC and later became a freelance reporter back in Kinshasa. But since the pandemic hit us, Life has been unraveling. The economy is gutted, and I've lost work opportunities. I can't pay my rent anymore, so I moved in with a friend. I help support my young siblings and retired parents, 
and I cannot afford to get sick with COVID-19. So I had to find ways to prevent it. Congo Bololo isn't dangerous if prepared correctly, but mixing the potent leaves with lemon juice or taking too much of it, this herbal medicine can become toxic. Still, everybody was searching for the perfect concoction to prevent or cure COVID-19. I started asking around to find out more. I visited a friend who took me to see his aunt. She had been cooking the herbs into a liquid medicine for her grandchildren. She seemed to be experienced with Congo Bololo. She offered my friend and me a few glasses. I downed the entire glass and it was very bitter. I had to drink a can of soda to get rid of the test. Afterwards, I got worried that I might have a bad reaction. So I bought more herbs as an antidote in case of an emergency. I was a bit paranoid. Just as rumors were circulating about COVID-19, so were stories about people's terrible reactions to mixtures of Congo Bololo. Nothing happened to me after taking the herbal cocktail, but I was lucky. It wasn't long before I heard from a source in the government about a similar situation that ended in tragedy in the Makala village. A mother and her three children had taken Congo Bololo to prevent COVID-19, but it was apparently cooked with toxic ingredients. All three children died. Days later, their mother died too. I decided to find out exactly what happened, but getting there wasn't going to be easy. I paid for a ride on the back of a motorbike, halfway on paved roads. Then I walked for nearly an hour under the hot sun on dust and paved trails. Armed gangs are in control of some of the poorer areas and it isn't safe to walk around. I was afraid I might get marked. I took my phone, but I thought it might get stolen if I took it out to record so I kept it in my trousers. But I made it to the village. There was no electricity, running water, or a proper healthcare clinic. I tried to talk to villagers about the mother and children. I asked who gave the mother the concoction, or did she make it herself? People avoided me. No one would talk to me about any details. They were scared that the mother and kids had died from witchcraft. In some ethnic groups in the Congo, they believe that if people die in your family, you may have killed them with witchcraft. Belief in witchcraft is widespread in villages in the Congo. People can blame a lot of things that go wrong on witchcraft. And the families accused of it are often stigmatized. No one wants to talk to them all about them. The villagers in Makala were also scared of the government. My government source told me that the father had fled the village, afraid he might be accused of something with the death of his wife and children. I tried to talk to the local prosecutor, but he also ignored me. I left disappointed that I made such a risky trip. 
but wasn't able to gather any real information. I wanted to know what had been in the Congo Bololo and who had cooked it. Was it foul play or just a tragic accident? I returned to the city wondering. Then a friend of mine told me about Fatu Falanga, a middle-aged woman whose mother had been paralyzed after taking Congo Bololo. I went to meet Fatu in her home, which was also a makeshift restaurant for home-cooked food. Her kids played as we talked. When Corona came, people said, oh yeah, you have to take Congo Bololo, it's for protection. My mother boiled water and put the Congo Bololo in the pot and left it boiling through the night. In the morning, she began drinking it as it got cold. She drank two big bottles of it. That same day, Fatu went to visit her mother and she was complaining of dizziness. Fatu didn't think too much of it considering her mother's old age and diabetes. She was 68, but later Fatu's sister called and said their mother was not able to speak and her legs and hands were not moving. We rushed her to the hospital. When we got there, her blood pressure rose. The doctor asked what we gave her, and we said nothing. But we told him about the Congo Bololo, and the doctor said, that's what made her blood pressure rise. She was paralyzed. He then decided to treat her paralysis with too many other medicines. Fatu and her siblings were angry with their mother for taking Congo Bololo without advice from a doctor. They paid for her medical bills. She was getting treatment with modern medicine at home and in the hospital. She was no longer speaking. With her mouth, legs and hands paralyzed, she was no longer doing anything. We just lift her up and hold her to go to the toilet in a jug. After a week, their mother started speaking again. And after three weeks, she began to walk and use her hands. Yet her legs still shiver and she's struggling to gain strength. The lesson from my mother's experience to share with people is that people should stop listening and acting on rumors. Listen to the health workers' advice. That would be good advice if people trusted modern doctors and health ministry, but people don't trust government officials. DRC has had a series of corrupt and violent leaderships. Celui qui est à la base de cette confusion. Oh moni, à ça écoute communiquer mon co, il faut voir des députés qui sont en train de distiller des mensonges ou je ne sais quoi. This is Leon Nembalemba, a popular media pundit in Kinshasa. He is known as Papa Mulier, who claims to speak up for the downtrodden. Leon owns the Molière Media Group, TV and radio stations that people here widely consume. He says the health minister is lying about the pandemic and he isn't taking the safety measures he's advising others to do. Leon is known for his sensational fake news. A famous example is a video series he did where local men were filmed in markets claiming their penises had disappeared.
Leon's comments against the government added to people's suspicions about the pandemic. He also suggested that the government was embezzling COVID-19 funds, but there was no evidence for any of his accusations. The current president, Felix Shisekedi, was democratically elected in 2018 after strongman Joseph Kabila stepped aside. This president is allowing opposition voices to speak, journalists to report freely, and the city has less crime. Shortly after the COVID-19 case, the health ministry imposed a quarantine and implemented a nationwide awareness campaign. Health officials had dealt with Ebola and other infectious diseases in the past, so they used that experience for COVID. Mes chers compatriotes, face à la propagation du virus, j'en appelle au sang-froid de toute la population. President Shisekedi tells the Congolese to stay rational and not panic on national TV. Ni à la panique, ni à la manipulation, ni à la désinformation et à n'écouter que les conseils des scientifiques qui renseignent notre gouvernement à travers le ministère de la santé qui recommande les bons gestes à adopter et la He says don't be manipulated by disinformation and listen only to scientists who advise our government. We have some renowned scientists. You might have heard of Jean-Jacques Muyembe, head of DRC's disease control center. Muyembe, a virologist, discovered the Ebola virus in 1976 and won awards. His work has been featured worldwide. He's managing DRC's COVID-19 response. After taking the Congo Bololo, I was not convinced it could prevent COVID-19. I set off with my mask to find out what modern medicine could do if I got sick. I met with Dr. Jedion Kashama, one of the physicians working with Muyembe. Oui, mais nous sommes je suis expert, je suis urgentiste. I'm an expert, an emergency physician. I've worked on Ebola cholera outbreaks and measles. We are always there to intervene in epidemic outbreaks. But for this pandemic, no country was really prepared, he says. Kashama diagnosed Faustin, the first COVID-19 patient. He also treated patients without a break in the hospital for five days at the onset of the outbreak. It was catastrophic because there were patients whose legs were broken. When they heard that uh, there is a COVID-19 case coming in, I can tell you it was tough. You'd see a patient dropping their crutches and running away, crawling. It was a moment that uh, I'll never forget for the rest of my life. Outside this hospital, a mob gathered to attack the doctors because people thought the government was implanting the virus in their neighborhood. It was more disinformation spread through rumors. I can tell you that uh, we were between life and death. We were locked in there. We were afraid that 
we could be murdered. Because no one could come into the unit, we only had water to drink. We thought if we leave, we could be killed. If we try, people outside will shout, hey, look, look at the corona people are there. We kept locking ourselves in. It was discouraging to see our hard work was being met with threat from the people. The government sent security and food to the hospital where Faustine and Dr. Gideon were isolating. I asked why Faustine lied about COVID-19. I've established that uh, he has paranoia, he has mental health problems. Because of COVID-19 complications, there are some traumas. Meanwhile, the continuing quarantine angered people because they lost their income. People did not understand the necessity of shutting down businesses. When cases dropped, the government opened up again. But the economic damage is deep. The DRC is officially reporting 31,000 cases and about 850 deaths from COVID-19. But take these numbers with a grain of salt. It's hard to access or know about cases in remote villages of DRC. Our death rate is low partially because we have such a young population. Now the AstraZeneca vaccine is available. But again, misinformation scared a lot of Congolese from getting jabbed. Some families stopped sending their kids to school because they thought government would forcibly vaccinate them. This was fake news. Rumors about the vaccine spread through word of mouth, mainstream media, and the internet. The government was constantly trying to stop the misinformation with facts in the media. It makes me sad to watch our people fall victim to disinformation. I know that our herbal plants are valuable to treat local illnesses, but they won't cure COVID-19. I plan to be vaccinated as soon as possible. At the moment, health workers and people over 65 can get it. The good news is that those spreading misinformation, traditional healers, the TV personalities and influencers have quieted down a bit. There is less Congo Bololo sold in the markets now. Most people seem to understand that this pandemic is very real. And unfortunately, there is no magic bullet to cure it. For OnSpec, this is Louis Yui, narrating for Patrice Chitera in Kinshasa. Thanks to Patrice for reporting and Louis for narrating our last story for this season from the DRC. The disinformation about this pandemic is rampant, even among those who are educated and have access to information worldwide. I couldn't imagine that we'd still be living through this pandemic last year, maybe because I wanted to believe we could get past it sooner. But here we are still in the pandemic. We're in weekend lockdown right now in Turkey. India is losing precious lives, so is Brazil, and the African continent is seeing waves of COVID-19 take more of its people. It seems simple enough scientifically. If governments provide vaccines faster and more people take them, 
we will have less variants, and the virus will become another flu we can survive. But the disinformation has prolonged this pandemic. How many people do you know who refuse to take the vaccine because of fake news? But we're going to get out of this eventually, and we as journalists just have to keep reporting the facts. Our on-spec team has worked tirelessly on this season for very little monetary gain. For this episode, Elisa Resnick and I edited the script. Oscar Duran produced and handled sound engineering. Thanks to Joe Gustine from the Queerist On podcast for doing the voiceovers, for Fatu Falanga, and Patrice Chatera for voicing Dr. Gideon Kashama. Kudos to Chris Zabrinsky for the music. And much love to our interns who have been crucial to our team for this season, Ryan Barba, Veronica Steiner, and Luke Piper, all from Laney Community College in Oakland, California. Again, this was the last of seven stories from our most innovative and ambitious season so far. We hope you liked it. If you did, don't forget to review and rate on spec on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you want us to continue covering these personalized documentaries from far corners of the world, please donate to our Patreon account. That way we can pay the freelancers we work with to bring original local perspectives to our stories. You can find the Patreon account on the about page of www.onspecpodcast.com. And thanks to our funders, the National Geographic Society, the European Journalism Fund, and those of you who donated to our Kickstarter. Next, we will do a season three disinformation wrap-up with our favorite moments and backstories. We will also update you on what happened to the people we talked to. Stay tuned for that. This summer, we will be fundraising and marketing on SPEC. Please help us spread the word among your friends that On Spec is an independent podcast for people who want to hear stories beyond their own borders. Keep in touch with us through social media or email at onspecpodcast at gmail.com. We are coming back for a fourth season later this year. So if you have not subscribed, press the subscribe button and have a great summer. <laughs>